the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From policy to culture, principles to politics, this is The Seth Liebson Show. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, I think he's really one of the most dynamic minds, and that also, because he's running for office, makes him one of the most dynamic candidates, really, and the only race we have left to vote on uh, this year, and we have a real opportunity to do something important here um, uh, with my guest, Sam Stone. He is running for city council. That election takes place in March. Uh, He is running to replace uh, Sal DeCicio, who is retiring here in District 6. He has worked with and for Sal. He has the endorsement of Sal, as he does from me, and uh, a great coalition of people. Uh, So Sam Stone joins us uh, in the third hour every Thursday. And to wit, Sam Stone, welcome back. Seth, thank you so much. Always fun. Let me give your website out to those who um, are interested in learning more about you or helping you out, which I plea with them to do. Samstone.vote. It's really easy. It's not a name like Liebson. It's (laughs) Stone. (laughs) Samstone.vote. I don't have to spell it, I don't think. Uh, Sam, I, you know, I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm heartened by is uh, I I don't know that it would be a fair statement to say that the Arizona Republic is supporting you, but I am seeing that they are noticing you, <laughs> and I'm seeing more and more articles about you. Maybe that's because they're worried about you. Uh, but uh, there are a few stories in the Arizona Republic I want to talk to you about, goings on in Phoenix and Arizona. But first, give us an update on the race. I mean, I tell you, Seth, it's kind of an oddball because I've got the mayor running around literally calling up every Phoenix donor and and more or less threatening them to max out to her guy and give nothing to me. So the money race is is way in his favor. I mean, like five to one. It's brutal. Um, But then going around through the community where, you know, look, this guy lives in Scottsdale. He doesn't live in Phoenix or in the district. Um, I've done a lot of work in it for a lot of years. So uh, the feedback I'm getting on the ground is very different, and I think I'm in a very good position, but it's it's disconcerting and hard to tell. And, you know, i got to say, for a mayor who runs around touting her ethics policy and her ethics commission and this, that, and the other, I, I mean, at the very least, I don't think it's even remotely ethical uh, for the mayor to be calling around, you know, basically telling people not to give to a candidate. I mean, I think that's... That's absurd. We live in a world. That's that's the world we live in. It's Orwellian where where words and phrases now don't mean what they mean. They mean they're opposite. Uh, So when you hear someone like Kate Gallego touting ethics, um, it reminds me of uh, that old line, the more he spoke of his honor, the quicker we wanted to count the spoons, you know? (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, look, what we're doing is really a a ground-based grassroots effort and it's drawing a lot of volunteers we're having we have another event tonight doing letters at my office um that one i you know i think we're going to have another good attendance we're, we're going to end up getting 44 uh maybe 50 to 60 thousand letters 
hand-signed, hand-addressed, live stamp going out to voters, that's going to make a big impact in a race like this. So, you know, hey, folks, if you're out there tonight you you got nothing to do, uh, come come by our office at Hayden and Shea. It's up in Scottsdale. I, I'm I'm too cheap to rent an office, so we are are using one I already have at one zero six zero three North Hayden Road at Suite one hundred eight. If folks want to come in, we're five thirty to seven thirty tonight doing that, and and I buy the uh, pizza and beer. Heck, we even did like firehouse subs for those last ones. So, well, you know, if, we, if anyone we didn't write that down, they can email me, and I'll get them the. Um they, they know how to reach me by email through the show. I, I will get them the address. It's interesting. If you're not doing anything tonight, uh, but, you know, more importantly, if you want to help keep Phoenix, Phoenix, if you want to help keep Phoenix from going crazy and going woke, if you want to help put brakes on the agenda that is uh, speeding at you like a bullet uh, from Kate, Kate Gallego on everything from the homelessness issue to crime on everything from uh, growth and sane transportation policy and public works and water uh, and ho- housing, even for you know the issue of the non-homelessness that need it, uh, folks. Sam Stone is this is your bet. I tout what uh, you know, great conservative thinker you are, Sam. But really going to how much you know the city and how much you know the district and how truly ethical you are. It's worth also my pointing out you have a broad coalition of support that includes Democrats, includes Democrats who have run against you. I just think it's worth pointing out because it goes to your character. Yeah, it, it is, and, and thank you for bringing that up, Seth, because I've got the endorsement of Joan Green, uh, who was the top actual Democrat finisher in the November primary for us. Um, you know, Joan and I agree on almost nothing, but she's supporting me. Same thing in the northern part of our district. Uh, didn't run in the race. Uh, Christina Eichelkraut is a uh, board member at the Ball School District. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously a progressive, and as she, she likes to joke, she, she probably wouldn't support or endorse me for any other seat, but she's in this one. Good. Uh, because she knows that I, like you said, I'm here to fight for the people of Phoenix, and I'm pretty darn pragmatic about it. It's about doing the right thing, not doing political thing. That's right. And you know, for your broader politics, people can tune into your regular interviews here. They can tune into your Saturday show, where you don't hold back either on a broad range of issues. And we'll do some today, as we always do. We'll do some statewide as well as nationwide, and maybe even get into some international. Just because, as I said, I think you are a dynamic mind in our movement and uh, in our party. Just so that there's no confusion on this for listeners, these are theoretically nonpartisan races. So when you see Sam Stone literature or signs and it doesn't say he's a Republican, that's not by his choice. Uh, that is the way these elections run. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. No, you're absolutely right. It, it is a nonpartisan race. I, I'm not about to hide the fact I'm a Republican. Right. You know, I mean, I, I am what I am. I am a conservative and I come at things from a conservative perspective. Um, that said, look, local government is about getting things done. It's it's far less about the big national political battles that we have, and more about picking up the trash on time. And you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I am deeply versed, invested in how we can do these things better and save money on things we're already doing, which would free up money, frankly, that the Democrats would then be able to spend on things they want to do. So if you're a Democrat out there, you have as much reason to vote for me as if you're a hardcore conservative. You know, there's an interesting adjunct point to that, Sam, which is there are things about city government. There are things about state and federal as well 
that bother me to no end that should not really be partisan issues, but have been made partisan. And I do attribute the left wing to doing this. I had uh, Congressman John Shadigan the other day, and we were talking about how committees like the Intel Committee, their select committees, these kind of committees in Congress used to be nonpartisan. Adam Schiff broke that. So, you know, this whole fight that Kevin McCarthy is going in with not putting Adam Schiff back on the Intel Committee, it's because he broke it. He turned it into a partisan thing. And what Kevin McCarthy is trying to do is restore normalcy. I have to say, when it comes to municipal issue like, say, policing, uh, supporting our police, uh, fighting crime, that should not be a partisan issue. There used to be great Democrat police chiefs. There used to be great Democrat mayors who understood crime. My friend Tevi Troy has a great tribute to Ed Koch when he was mayor of New York uh, in the current issue of Commentary Magazine. I think the leftism of the Democratic Party has broken that nonpartisan or bipartisan approach to some of these issues, um, particularly on policing and crime. Yeah, it definitely has. Um, you know, we've seen this sort of national. Uh, dis- distrust of each side devolve into local politics in ways that are frankly really, really harming and dangerous, like defunding the police and doing all these things where they're, they're really undermining law and order in every way. Um, you know, there's, obviously with the Super Bowl coming to town, right, people are talking about sex trafficking and sex workers around that event. Well, California passed a law, you know, led by a, a San Francisco uh, LGBTQIA plus 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 uh, advocate who uh, d- basically made it impossible for police to approach young women on the street. Um, look, ninety percent of that when you see on the street they're being trafficked. There's a pimp there. It's it's a terrible situation, but yet. You know, so now the number of people being sex trafficked in San Francisco and in California has literally doubled in six months Mm -hmm. because of what they did. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, what they did was was blatantly like this ridiculous approach to life, right? And it's failing. And so when they do this, they are really putting people in harm's way. They're putting people in harm's way by turning the criminals loose. They're putting people, young women, in harm's way by basically taking the, you know, taking a step back and allowing them to be trafficked. And that kind of stuff just has to stop. Like, we have to just agree that there are certain norms in society that we all want to maintain. And, and it's a huge disconnect to me between the everyday Democrat and the people that are being elected. Yep, I think that's right. And I think also, too, i got to go to a commercial break here, Sam. We'll pick it up on the other side. The, the, the partisanship of municipal government is a really interesting issue because these, as I say, you know, the left likes to march through all the institutions. We've seen what they've done with education. We've seen what they've done with journalism. We've seen what they've done with places like professional athletics. We've seen what they've done with the corporations. But you know what? A good place where people were not paying attention was city council, which is why, you know, Sal DeCicio has been such a lonely fighter there and why we need you to pick up that banner and run with it. Let me take the quick commercial break. Sam Stone and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is our guest, candidate for city council here in District 6, which is uh, where we sit, where I live, and uh, where many of you do as well. Samstone.vote is his website. He has his own show here on 960 as well every Saturday 
uh, at 3 p.m. Um, breaking battlegrounds. And Sam, I was just making the point before the break. We don't have to stay too much longer on it if we don't need to. But, you know, it is important to understand that when people do think of municipal governance, it is not a place where a lot of people think of ideology um, mattering that much or controlling that much. But the truth is, because we conservatives, in many cases, certainly with education, uh, were not watching what the left was doing in marching through these things, we woke up and surprise, surprise, oh my gosh, the left has city government in a lot of places too. We see it with crime, we see it with homelessness, we see it with police, we see it in other other things. Feel free to, you know, move on or, or say one more word on that if you want to. Well, it, it's it is a, a systemic effort to capture these these institutions. Yeah, and it, there's a ton of money. I mean, there's a ton of money in local government, and if you want to look at the real reason they're making that effort, uh, they're funneling a lot of money into their reelect campaigns from these things. They're funneling a lot of money to their friends, and that makes them. You know, it's a it's a self reinforcing cycle where they become more and more powerful and harder to untrench from these cities. And all these cities that have gone deep blue, I can't point to a city with a pure Democrat, you know, an all-Democrat council, and a lot of our major cities are that way, um, that none of them function well when that's the case. They just don't. Uh, without at least some kind of balance, you're really heading into an area where the only way to, to stand out is to go further and further left from the crowd until you're San Francisco. Yeah, yeah no, and we can become that. Uh, we had to fight and push hard on that with our county attorney race. We had to fight and push hard with that on your race, and we're happy to do so. And you've got a um, you've got a great coalition behind you, and uh, it can always grow. It's there's you never know where your next co- coalition is coming from, and and uh, I I love how open you are about where you stand on things. I love how open you are about welcoming such diverse uh, parts of the community into your campaign. All right, speaking of that, uh, Sam, this kind of irks me to no end. Uh, let me move upwards to the state level. Uh, our governor, Katie Hobbs, she was strutting around this week, uh, bragging and smiling about, you know, her veto, um, her her veto stamp. And she she was saying the ink is fresh as anything. She's smiling. She's joking about it uh, with regard to, you know, some of the legislation she expects to come forth from the state legislature. And I just think, you know, for those who were who were relieving her uh, on the hustings uh, this past November for those that trusted that this was you know a non not a not very partisan Democrat open to all someone who would welcome input from all directions you're not seeing that in the administration and you're not seeing it in the way she is strutting about this fresh ink on her. Uh, veto stamp even before she sees or hears anything from the legislature. There's no mandate here. This is a woman who won by 17,000 votes in a, in, a, in, a, in a statewide contest where over two and a half million were, were cast. Yeah, and we have a Republican-led legislature. Yeah. And, you know, either they have to work together to get things done or she can break out that veto uh, stamp that she's been so proud of this week. And if I were the Republicans in the legislature, I would I would run every bill with broad support. I would do it from a conservative angle and just make her veto them all. I mean, if that's what she's going to do, fine, make her do it. Um, because, quite frankly, I never bought into her all the stuff she said. I mean, she literally ran a TV ad saying she was going to cut taxes. And 
one of her first veto threats was, well, if they send me any tax cuts, I'll veto that, right? So, you know, I mean, come on. The Democrats have figured this out where with a complacent and compliant media, they are able to say anything they want on the campaign trail to assuage the concerns of the middle and of swing voters and then govern from the hard left, and they will be covered for it while they do it and while, you know, when they go to reelect. And we've seen this at every level. This is Joe Biden and his administration. This is Katie Hobbs and her administration. This is Kate Gallego and her administration at the city of Phoenix. Um, And you just, there is this really authoritarian streak right now in the modern left. And and Seth, I want I want to be clear. I say the modern left because I don't think that they again align very well with a average Democrat who, frankly, just wanted. I mean, if they voted for Katie Hobbs, they were doing it because they wanted some normalcy and people who could work together. Um, and they got lied to, as we're seeing. They got lied to as she ran from every uh, media interview that approached her. Richard Nick, you're a history buff like I am. Richard Nixon had a saying, and there was some truth to it, actually, um, in, in at least his case, uh, uh, talk right, govern left. Um, I think with the Democrats that you mentioned, the Katie Hobbses, the Gallegos, Kate Gallegos, the Joe Bidens, the, the, the twist on that is talk moderate, govern left. No, that, that, that's what they do. They talk moderate on the campaign trail. They talk welcoming. They talk transparency. First thing she's doing is charging $250,000 in anonymous or dark money to support her in her inauguration campaign for favors from corporations and big and, and wealthy business that we will not see. And now this, now this, uh, where she's saying, you know, basically her doors are closed to conservatives and Republicans. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, look, the, the running from people thing is, is so telling, right? Yeah, like right. yesterday I got invited to a debate that uh, the League of Women Voters, which used to be a nonpartisan right. organization, but now it will be the League of, of Leftist Voters, yeah. um, and the NAACP want to host a debate in my race. Right. Seth, what did I tell them? Without question, without hesitation, I said, sure, just yeah. let me know, I'll be there. Yeah, because you I'm know who you are and you're comfortable with what you know and think. Yeah, but, you know, the other side can't do that no. right now. Right. They they have to do these things in where they're set up like this, where obviously this will be a, a, a debate designed to make my opponent look good. But right. I don't care, because right. I, I, I think I'm going to look plenty good anyway. Yeah. Um, but they, they're running from this stuff, and the reason is because the governing philosophy they're operating under is anathema to the vast majority of Americans yeah. once they understand what's actually happening. I think so, and I think Arizonans, too. I mean, it's it's uh, we've got to hit another break here, Sam, but maybe when we come back, let's talk about this migrant transport business she's engaged in and talking about, too. Can you say a word on that on the other side of this break? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. As I go to break, let me put in a word for... Mutual friends of ours, uh, Y-Refi, you've probably been hearing me talk about Y-Refi for a while now, folks. If you still have some questions, do feel free to contact them at 888-Y-Refi-34, and they can put you in touch with a lot of satisfied customers who have been happily investing and earning with them. How's your IRA doing? Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or Joe Biden's economy? Uh, Y-Refi can help. Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn. Tax deferred. 
That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn, thanks to the good people at YRefi. Check them out at investyrefi.com, investyrefi.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Um, Sam Stone is our guest. He's a candidate for city council here in District 6. I, Regardless of whether he were running for city council or not, he'd be a regular guest every Thursday because I just I like uh, I like uh, the cut of his jib and his brain and his thoughts and his insights so much. But you can check him out and please help him out at samstone.vote. Samstone.vote. Um Democratic Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs defends decision to keep busing migrants out of state is the headline. Sam, talk to us about this. Well, that that was one headline, Seth. Let's get to the next one that popped up, which is advocates welcome Governor Katie Hobbs' migrant busing program as details emerge. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You You have the same news feed I do. What's going on here? Well, first, Hobbs is now saying that she is going to take migrants arriving illegally in the United States and fly them to whatever final destination they have selected it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, this is this is insanity. I mean, in so many ways, because it's a continued it's extending the invitation and offering even more goodies for people who to to make that journey. But let's stop and back up. How does someone get to our border in the first place? These aren't people who are coming here on their own hook anymore. If you do that, chances are pretty good you're going to end up dead because the cartels control every inch of the border, and you do not cross it without paying for them. Paying them, And mostly the people coming here are being trafficked directly from their home countries here by the cartels. So what we are doing, what Katie Hobbs has just done, is offer to to be the final travel agent for the cartels in their illegal human trafficking enterprise. It is obscene. There's a lot of obscenity here. I was talking yesterday. The obscenity is also, by the way, goes to the journalists who refuse to cover this. You know, um, I got to tell you, when in 2019, the you may remember this terrible story of Oscar Alberto Martinez and his daughter who had drowned trying to cross the Rio Grande. And uh, this was back in 2019. Of course, a Republican was president. Kamala Harris pounced. Beto O'Rourke pounced. Cory Booker pounced with phraseology like these are the consequences of Donald Trump's inhumane and immoral policy, uh, border policy. Kamala Harris says um, that Trump is inhumane and these deaths are on his hands. Um, we just hit a record. We just hit a, a lot of people are dying at the border over the last fiscal year, 880, which is the highest year on hand. The year before that was the second highest year on hand with 566. This is dangerous business, Sam. It's an incredibly dangerous business for a lot of reasons, just the physical geography, obviously, but also, again, going back to the cartel's overseeing every element of that trafficking. If a cartel coyote is bringing over a group of border crossers and one of them is injured, 
they're going to just leave them there. Yep. And that's how the majority of them are dying. And so when we enable and do things like Katie Hobbs is now trying to do to enable what the cartels are doing, we are directly responsible for contributing to those deaths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And I think that the media taking uh, giving her a pass and uh, covering their eyes and ears on it generally, I, I have to say, I think blood's on their hands, too, Sam. This is one of the most inhumane things. Again, something that didn't necessarily have to be particularly partisan. I don't understand how saving children's lives, saving adults' lives, fighting cartels, and protecting um, a border or, the, or, or you know, the rights of Arizonans to live free of crime and free of invasion and free of drugs became a partisan issue. Yeah, it's, the blood is definitely on their, on their pages also. Yep. I mean, at this point, what we have to be honest about is the conditions that are, are leading to the, the transfer of the people here. Yep. Because, again, people act like this was something that is the same as it was 10 and 20 years ago, and it is not. It's 10 and 20 years ago, most of the people we had coming here were from northern Mexico, and they were coming here for seasonal work or to try to get their family to the United States. And I look, even I, who who do not believe anyone should ever be allowed to come here and stay here legally, um, even I can understand. Sure. And that's a very sympathetic sure. thing. Of but what is happening now, and it's they are still economic migrants, but they are economic migrants who are being trafficked, human trafficked, and who are in, in many ways modern-day slaves. And we are contributing to that by allowing all these things. And when you have people like the press here in the United States, like a lot of the leaders of the Democrat Party, who are engaging in it, the blood absolutely is all over them. And every one of those deaths is is on their heads. I'm a Lincoln guy, so I'm happy to talk about slavery from 160 years ago in this country as the left keeps wanting to talk about it. I just don't understand why they refuse to talk about it when it's happening right under their noses contemporaneously in real time. Sam Stone and I will be right back. Sam Stone is our guest, candidate for city council. SamStone.vote is his website. If you want to learn more about him or help him out, please help him out. He was mentioning the disparity in the uh, fundraising because the mayor of Phoenix is telling people not to donate to him and is asking people to donate to someone who's not even a resident of Phoenix. Um, But it is not wasted. Uh, I just sent him uh, a a little help and... um, and uh, you don't have to be the top uh, money getter to uh, be the winner. Uh, we have uh, history, lesson after history lesson proving that. But you need uh, enough money to get the signs out and the transportation and the staff paid. Um, he buys the pizzas from his own, from his own, for the staff for, from his from his own back uh, back pocket and wallet. Samstone.vote is the website. Sam, Sam, when when we hit these uh, fourth segments on Thursdays, I like to just throw it open to anything you see going around the nation or internationally that's on your mind that you'd like to weigh in on. Well, Seth, I, I know this isn't you know, this is a complicated thing, but all of a sudden we're seeing this. What is a very significant escalation in our involvement in the Ukraine Russia war? Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, um, we're, we're sending tanks to them. Uh, Germany is sending some Leopard two tanks. Uh, this is going to end up with U.S. troops on the ground. Is my concern. And because just simply maintaining and training troops on these systems and to be able to use the our tanks and the Germans' tanks is going to require our people. I mean, that's that's just all there is to it. I really am uncomfortable. 
we need to, you know, we need to resist what Russia is doing. The world needs to stand up to them. But I get real, real nervous when we, when you make these kind of escalations in a war with a, a country whose leader is, by all appearances, potentially on death's doorstep. Which, frankly, in in his for his type of leader, for that type of authoritarian dictator, um, dying ones are far more dangerous than the younger ones. The younger ones figure they have a long time to, to try to get their what they want done. A dying one may make some really drastic decisions because they know they don't have much time. And, and so that's why I'm worried about this. You know, there's an old line, some people debate it from Greek uh, philosophy, some people attribute it to an old progressive in California named Hiram Johnson, that truth is the first casualty of war. Um, I had a guest on early in the, earlier in the week, Brandon uh, Weikert, uh, who said, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, there are already uh, U.S. troops in Ukraine. They may be in advisory roles, they, but there are already U.S. troops in, 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 in Ukraine. And I, I have to go back to March of last year, almost a year ago, Sam, when, when Donald Trump was, um, was in Poland and he said the following. You may recall this. You're going to see when you're there. He's talking to U.S. troops stationed in, in Poland. He said, you're going to see when you're there. Some of you have been there. You're going to see women, young people standing in the middle in front of a damn tank saying, I'm not leaving. And then the White House had to do a big cleanup because it sounded like he was saying some of the U.S. troops have already been in and out of the Ukraine. And they denied that that was the case. I believe all over again. We are seeing the uh, the uh, evidence that truth is the first casualty of war. Maybe the White House was lying about us in the cleanup, and Donald Trump and uh, Joe Biden was not just um, not, not not just misstating something, but actually doing a gaffe, which is letting a truth out that he shouldn't have. I think that's entirely I, I possible. Think letting a semi-truth out. My guess is those are private military contractors, Very well U.S. Could trained been. soldiers, former members of the U.S. military who are hired for this. Um, that's been a, a big thing in recent wars for most of the nations on Earth, uh, but especially the U.S. And, and I would add one other thing. The way we're expending weapons and sending them into Ukraine, there's a great piece in the Wall Street Journal today, U.S. weapons industry unprepared for a China conflict. Right. And, and the reason for that is we're, de- we're depleting a lot of the stockpiles that we would actually need if that were to, to kick off. Yeah. I'm probably a little more hawkish than most of my audience and you on these things, but I have to tell you the trajectory of this and what I think is the, uh, the, the lack of truth and candor on this is, 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 is going to be the big story. This was like Winston Churchill said of World War II, an unnecessary war. This didn't have to happen. Uh, with a better leadership at the top, Russia would not have invaded Ukraine. They didn't invade any of our allies when Donald Trump was president. They saw what we did with Afghanistan. They saw the weakness we showed up against uh, China. They saw the weakness of Joe Biden generally. And Joe Biden promised us that the sanctions would be crippling and they're anything but. We are in a slow, in a slow and I think increasingly rapid march to an engagement we are going to very much regret because of a leader I think we're going to very much regret. 
Well, we don't have a leader. That's the problem. We have a committee in the White House. No one knows who makes who makes up that committee that's making decisions. It's clearly not Joe Biden. And if you are somebody like President Xi or Vladimir Putin, uh, you look at that and you have the assumption that as a strong leader, you have a massive advantage in dealing with the country run by committee. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, some people thought Ron Klain his outgoing chief of staff was part of that government by committee. Uh, he's now going out. He's being replaced by, of all people, the man who was advisor, advising Joe Biden on COVID. He was his COVID czar. This also is a story of great failure. It seems that with this administration, there is no level of failure you can engage in that will not elevate you and escalate you to the inner sanctum of the Oval Office. Failing up is the trademark of the Biden administration. Yeah, the Peter Principle, is that it? Uh, uh, That's it. Something like that rising to your level of incompetence. You're seeing that. Um, and, yeah, it's it's kind of a frightening thing. I mean, at least with other administrations that we had arguments with, at least we knew where the buck stopped. We knew the buck stopped with Jimmy Carter. We knew the buck stopped with Barack Obama. And they were sentient uh, actors, and they defended what they did, and they did it without slip of tongue. They did it with, you know, slip of ideology, perhaps, but not slip of tongue and slip of mind. And we just don't have that right now. And, you know, if uh, nature abhors a vacuum, as Spinoza put it, um, I'll tell you who loves one, tyrants, autocrats, totalitarians. And Putin saw that. Absolutely, he did. And he's taking full advantage. Um, His miscalculation was simply that his military is not at all what the Russians thought it was. Yep, I think that's right. And uh, for those of you that want to understand what is said about the fog of war and how truth is the first casualty, go back to the statements of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris about uh, whether Putin would invade, what we would do about the value of sanctions, about what sanctions were meant to do. Look at how they were arguing with each other in front of the media about the uh, about the ability of sanctions to do the work that they uh, were promising us. And, yeah, Sam, I think people have a right If we're going to be sending money, if we're going to be sending money, I think they have a right to understanding how it's going to be used. And I don't think we can afford a slow or fast march into war with Russia, not with this leadership. And God forbid, really, heaven forfend, never. Absolutely agree. Sam Stone, folks, uh, help him out. Common sense in the city council. Three C's and Sam Stone, the two S's. Samstone.vote is his website. Godspeed to you, Sam. We'll talk to you next week. Go get him. I'm Seth. I'll come back with a few final thoughts. Welcome back, and thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. I was just kind of thinking on the break after talking to Sam about the absence of leadership in Washington, D.C. right now, and... um, the absence of a strong commander-in-chief. Energy in the executive was James Madison's uh, phraseology for what the constitutional design was to have in the executive branch. Uh, energy, efficacy, efficacy strength, uh, puissance, if you will, potency. Um, strong men, strong women. So they did that, and they designed the system for that, because they knew that not only would this country be ever expanding and expansive, but that the world was and is a dangerous place. Um, This was the reason that 
for decade after decade after decade through the ribbon of our history in the United States of America. It was a natural thing to look to the president of the United States, no matter who the president of the United States was, and for young you know, young boys certainly, um, but young children generally, they point to them and say, you know, when asked who their heroes were, the president was a natural answer. The presidency was a natural, natural answer to that question. It started to be downgraded, I think, when we started devaluing the role and import of strength and the martial virtues in the 90s with Bill Clinton and what we were willing to accept, tolerate, and forgive. And uh, it has not gotten better. Uh, once you break one commandment, there's an old saying, you will break them all. And I think we started breaking that, at least if not commandment, promise with the constitutional framework by defending someone merely because we liked their policies when they were, as a person, indefensible leading our country in many, many more and other ways much less defensible, too. Something to think about, bringing back heroes in leadership, heroes who are worthy of the word hero. I'm Seth Liebson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.